0: Happy New Year's, Grace. Today's message is not about setting goals, so rest easy. See, I hate goals. There are so many books about setting goals, achieving more, developing good habits, and so on. You can find them anywhere. The reality is about 25% of people say they set goals for the new year. And 23% of those people focus on healthy living. Six months into the new year, only 45% of those people say they're sticking with it. That number is actually a little bit higher than I thought it would be based on my own experience and who I talked to. I thought it'd be about a week or two in. Everybody would drop off. New Year's resolutions don't usually get us very far. But the New Year does have a tradition of reflection and refocusing. And this extends back thousands of years. In Jewish tradition, Israel used the New Year as a time to thank God. It served as a day of remembrance, a memorial for their deliverance, and it acknowledged their dependence upon God. Now, that's a powerful thing. They have a prayer in Jewish history. Uh, It's in their prayer book. It's called the Shekhanu. And it says this, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has kept us alive, sustained us, and brought us to this season. Congratulations. For all the highs and lows of the past year, you have made it to this season. And I believe God has something in mind for you over the next year. So we're not talking about goals today because part of the reason is setting goals for me can be a little bit like my son in little league. You know, um, he's got a lot to learn. Uh, but one of the things that they do in little league is just have fun. And if you've ever played baseball or maybe you've just had fun in the backyard, you've probably done this game where you put your head on the, the bat and you spin around, right? You spin around, you spin and, spin, and spin, and spin, and spin, and you have to race the first base. That's what setting goals can be like for me. I, I have this idea of where I need to go, but I'm so disoriented. I'm falling. I'm staggering. I'm, I'm kind of going all over the place. And I've noticed that there's a difference between how kids do this. They'll spin around, spin around on their bat. They'll throw the bat. And some look forward to first base, and they're kind of weaving and falling all over the place. And some look down and follow that line. That's a little bit what we're talking about today. Making that choice to do step after step, no matter what. And that will make a huge difference in the coming year. Now, don't get me wrong. Setting goals is important because our direction determines our destination. We have to know what direction we are running. Now, I love this example that John gives us in the retelling of Jesus' life. See, after Jesus had told a crowd that true life comes through being focused and fully filled by him, the crowd began to grumble. And a lot of the people in the crowd began to walk away. And Jesus looks at his closest friends and he says this, John 6, verses 67 and 68. Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. See, Peter knew the direction of true life. He knew what to be focused on. He was focused on that moment, putting one foot in front of the other, connecting with Jesus in that moment, saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stick it out with you no matter what comes. The question before us today is, what is ahead of you in the next season? What are you focused on? We're going to take a look at 2 Corinthians three fourteen through 18 Paul writes, But their minds were dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the Old Covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their heart. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces see the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, I love these verses because Paul describes my situation almost perfectly. See, my mind is often dull to what God is doing. It's as if there's a veil over my eyes and I struggle to see what's right in front of my face. What does it say removes that veil? Turning to God, pointing in the right direction. See, turning to God results in our growth, being transformed into his image. And here's why this is important. See, Paul calls us to something, something I've continually struggled with and have been brought face to face with over and over. Maybe you're like me. You want to connect with God more intentionally and see that relationship impact who you are, making you more kind, loving, patient, a better parent or a better spouse, a better friend, a better coworker. Maybe you want to be more compassionate or just live a more fulfilled life. But you're like Eli. You're spinning around on the bat, trying to find first and you're going around. You're falling all over the place. You don't know where to set your feet. You don't know where you should be looking. Well, Jesus's most frequent miracle is restoring sight to the blind. And there's a reason for this. We become too easily blind to the ways of God that we begin to miss him. We don't see him. It's like there's something in front of our face and we just can't see what the next step is, or maybe we feel stuck in a rut. So today is not so much about setting goals as it is seeing Jesus. See, seeing God is more important than setting goals. When I think of growing spiritually, I usually think, okay, this year I'm going to read the Bible more. I'm going to read it every day or I'm going to pray at every meal. Like I'm going to make this part of my daily routine or I'm going to start sharing my faith with someone else. I think very specifically, very concretely, and those are good things, but I've missed this for so many years. I see someone else's relationship with God take off and I start trying to do the same things. What did they do? How can I apply what they did? And Maybe it'll work for me or I'll, I'll, I'll try the same inputs and hope for the same outputs, but it never really works. See, I'm a different person. You're a different person. And God grows each of us differently. Spiritual growth is a human activity. It is unique. It's personal. It's varied. We all approach and experience God differently and God seeing our individuality gets our attention in different ways. Now, hear me out. There are some great goals to set, and they will help you grow spiritually. But it could be that we get short-sighted by the old standbys, so much so that we miss what God wants to do right now in this season of life. Now, we're going to do something a little different this morning. I've asked a couple staff members to share what God has been using to connect with them lately. You may find something in what they share worth trying. Or you might finally discover that God has been moving all along in some of the examples that they've used. You can see that happening over and over in your life. Maybe God's been using something to grow your faith, and maybe you've just been overlooking it. So take a moment, listen to these stories, and reflect on what God might be doing. You don't want to miss it.
1: God has surprised me this year. Three ways, three words. At Grace Kids, we're all about making it safe, bringing the fun, and sharing Christ with the passion. Do you pick up on any of those three words? Let's break them down. Safe. For me, being in an environment where I feel safe to be able to explore my faith, to learn more about the God who made us, knows us, and loves us, to ask questions and acknowledge that I'm still figuring things out is everything. And I find that place to be safe right here at Grace. And I try to be able to create that safe space for children at Grace Kids too. So, so, so important to not only my faith, but in helping develop theirs. That's the first one. The second one, fun. Grace Kids, we're all about making it fun. You know, You can have a faith journey with fun in it, absolutely. I was surprised. I kind of got so caught up in the busyness of doing all the things that God had to remind me that it's not all about checking off your to-do list. You need to stop, take time, and just have fun. Have fun experiencing Him. And when you do that, you really get to experience the fullness of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Number three, sharing Christ with a passion. Okay. I don't know about you. Sometimes I like to dance like nobody's watching. When I do, it's with reckless abandon. I just put my whole self into it. I give it everything I've got. Then when I realize that God has this reckless love for me and really take that in, just that in it to win it, just Would send my son to die for you kind of love. I'm just completely blown away. And I just wrap myself in that love. And actually, and in turn, the love of Christ, his joy, his peace just encompasses me. And those around me can actually experience it because I've experienced it. And to me, that is like worth fighting for just being able to be in relationship with Jesus Christ and knowing that my relationship with him impacts those around me too, so it's not just for me. My prayer for you is that you would experience that safe, fun, and passion-inspired love of Christ on your journey this year.
2: everybody, so I'm um, Pastor Matt, a youth pastor here at Grace. The question is, what does my plan look like for spiritual growth this upcoming year? Well, there's a few things that'll be involved, but I just want to share one with you that revolves around private disciplines, you know, like those habits or those practices that that you do, you're carving out time for, and the way you spend that time is just between you and God. Um... You know, I think of the thing Jesus says. He's like, you know, when you pray, go in your room, close the door. When your father sees what you're doing in secret, like it's the kind of relationship God wants. Anyways, you know, private disciplines are a huge part of spiritual growth. Um, this year, God is, he's drawing my attention to one that I have historically been awful at, but 2023 is the year. It's a discipline of rest. It's a discipline of trust in that I'm ceasing activity. I am I'm resisting the urge to always be active because I believe that it is in my activity that God moves and works. Uh, and God is leading me to spend more time trusting him. And in my inactivity, in my rest, he's still working, he's still moving. That, that the future of the youth group, that the future of my family is not dependent upon my abilities and my efforts and my work alone, but I need to develop this practice, this this private discipline of rest um, in in trusting God to do that. It's going to be a big part of my year. Uh, Maybe we can check in a little bit later on to see how it's going, but uh, pray for me. The scripture that God has been uh, leading me toward is this, actually, is what Jesus says in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Uh, It says this, Jesus says, come to me, All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This year, uh, private discipline of joining Jesus in his yoke and letting him do a lot of the pulling is going to be huge for me in my spiritual growth. And my prayer is that, um, that you might actually experience the same thing. This would be a year where uh, you might take seriously the discipline, and the practice of rest.
3: Hi, I'm Anna. I'm the director of Compassion and Justice Initiatives here at Grace Community Church. And God has surprised me by using pivotal circumstances to grow my faith last year. And you know, navigating the highs and lows of life, knowing and trusting that God is in control, it's one of the hardest things that we can do. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Last year, I honestly lost count of how many curveballs life threw my way some really down moments uh, like the the visa process that I was going through that was very frustrating and it, it took forever to get accomplished. Um, Just dealing with the, the overwhelming homesickness after being so far from home in my country and my family for so long and just navigating probably the most mentally exhausting moment of my career in the ministry. But also I lived a lot of high moments like holding my best friend's baby for the first time. It was so amazing. And uh, getting to spend time with my mom and working in a quality time in our relationship. And also the final approval of my work visa that allows me to be here and be in this job, being in this position that I absolutely love. So how was last year for you? What were the pivotal circumstances that you had to navigate? And how did that affect your faith? I know for me personally, every time I was facing one of those moments, Jeremiah 29, 11 kept coming back to my mind. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. What are the Bible verses that you really think about when you're navigating those circumstances? Let us know in the chat. Through all those pivotal moments that I had to face last year, God continued to remind me that he had a plan. He knew what he was doing. And even though Jeremiah verse, it's not specifically for me, it's not talking about God's plan for my life or your life specifically, it is talking about a bigger picture. It was still a reflection of how good our God is and how powerful he is as well. It was a constant reminder at the end of each day that God's plan for his creation, for his children, is to give them hope for a better future. My prayer for you is that you will navigate all the pivotal moments of 2023, fully trusting that God is in control and that his hope is what's going to help you navigate life.
0: These three things that Michelle, Matt, and Anna shared can be summarized as providential relationships, private disciplines, and pivotal circumstances. And each of these show up differently in my life and in your life. See, God uses people, habits, and events to speak to us, to guide our next step, to point us in the right direction. The book of Kings, not often read in churches, is a book that recounts history of Israel. It tells of a guy named Elijah. Now, he was a godly man who lived during a very complicated time in Israel's history. He was trying to connect with God when the rest of the culture was trying to disconnect from God. His pivotal circumstance was conflict with a person of authority. His life was threatened, and then God shows up. But even still, he's frustrated and defeated. He's had this mountaintop experience that all of us kind of long for, this great moment of God showing up. And yet, he's left kind of empty. It's something that's longing within him, and he's reaching out to experience God, but he doesn't really see him. And then we get to this story in First Kings 19, beginning in verse 11. Then he, God, said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. I mean, just an amazing scene. And then it says this, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, but still small voice that he wrapped his face in his mantle and his cloak and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. That was when God had appeared. I find this story very interesting because three times it says the Lord was not in it. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. Why does it go through all that? It doesn't mean that God can't or doesn't appear in those ways. After all, if you think back through the history of the Bible, God was in the wind in Genesis God was in the earthquake in the time of Isaiah. God was in the cloud of fire during Israel's exodus out of Egypt. God showed up in all those different ways. But in Elijah's story, he shows up differently. And I think this story is here to broaden our expectation of how God speaks. See, God walked with Adam. Abraham heard God speak through his guests who showed up at his house. Moses saw God in the burning bush. Joseph trusted God in his circumstances. David in the Psalms encountered God through nature. Josiah met with God through scripture. Daniel fasted. Amos sought justice. Nehemiah rebuilt a city. Isaiah prayed. Jesus served. See, I want today's message to be an encouragement. Paul writes to Timothy, encouraging him to fight the good fight of faith. To see God, you have to push past each obstacle. You have to put one foot in front of the other. Pursuing God can be like spinning on a bat, trying to go to first. The reality is, no matter how many times we stagger and stumble, we try to connect with God and it just doesn't work. That God picks us back up and we have to keep trying new things over and over again because God doesn't get stuck in the same mode of operating every time. You and I are different people. We're individuals and God deals with us individually. What might work for others may not work for you. What might have worked for you in the past may not work now. Seeing God is more important than setting goals. Maybe this year. We could try opening our eyes to all the ways that God might be working in our life. Let's begin looking for him in our relationships, in our spiritual disciplines, and in our circumstances. The things that Michelle, Matt, and Anna talked about. Putting one foot in front of the other, we can take a next step and grow in our relationship with Jesus. Here's a promise you can hold on to this year. Proverbs 37, verses 23 through 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hand. Will you join me in asking God to open our eyes, to remove the veil that we might see him in all things, that our eyes might be focused in his direction, for no one else has the words that lead to the true Life. Let's pray. God, we ask today that you would blow our minds, that you would expand our understanding of who you are and how you speak to us. Lord, pray that this year we might see you more fully. In Jesus name, amen.